Before we get into today's 200th episode with photographer Arto Sari, I just wanted to announce the winner of the Sakonic Light Meter giveaway. And first off, just wanted to thank the good people over at Sakonic for donating one of their L858D light meters for the giveaway. Uh, can't thank them enough. And after compiling all the entries, um, I printed everyone's name out and uh, this mixed it up and this kind of pulled it out of the hat. And uh, can't thank everyone enough for uh, taking the time to enter. And the winner of the Sakonic light meter giveaway uh, was Jeff Allen. Uh, again, the winner is Jeff Allen. All you need to do to uh, claim your prize is either uh, shoot me a DM on the Photo Banter Instagram page or feel free to email me at thephotobanter at gmail.com and I'll make sure you get your uh, Sakonic light meter uh, mailed out to you. Uh, but again, can't thank everyone at Sakonic enough um, for donating the, the light meter and everyone that entered. Uh, thanks so much for support. And actually for today's uh, 200th episode, I welcome on a photographer who I've been works I've been following for a long time and really excited to speak to, um, Arto Sari. Uh, Arto Sari is originally from Sanjoki, Finland, and currently resides in Hawaii. Arto has worked with clients such as Vogue, Men's Health, New Balance, Nixon Watches, Volcom, and Juice Magazine, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Arto about how he first discovered photography while touring the world as a professional skateboarder. I also speak to Arto about some of his recent work photographing surfing on the North Shore of Hawaii. Beyond being an accomplished and talented photographer, Arto has spent nearly two decades as one of the world's top professional skateboarders, having been awarded Thrasher Magazine's 2001 Skater of the Year Award. I grew up watching Arto skating in legendary videos such as Manic Mahdi and Flip's Sorry video, so I was really pumped to have Arto on for my 200th episode to hear about his journey with photography and also everything he's been working on lately. So I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. All right, I now welcome on Arto Sari. Long time coming. Excited to have you, man. Uh, you've been up to some interesting stuff, man. Uh, you're out in Hawaii now, shooting a ton of surfing. Uh, how's life been going, man? It seems like you've been shooting a lot lately. Oh, that, well, first of all, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It's been, you know, a few months in the making, I believe. Yeah. Maybe almost a year <laughs> yeah um it's glad to be finally on yeah man. um yeah no life is life has been good um i made the move to hawaii about three years ago yeah and i just it's been three years and i finally felt like i'm packing my bags basically i feel like i'm finally just getting settled in and yeah, yeah. the last couple of months there um i'm on the north shore here on oahu so last couple of months we've been getting some crazy swells and stuff so the place kind of lights up and there's a bunch of, you know, surfers around here and people are roaming about and it's just the landscape changes completely. You know what yeah, I mean? It's all like people like on the side of the road or just watching like all the gnarly surfers and stuff. And I, I don't know anything about surfing. I know there's like, I think a popular spot called pipeline, which is in Hawaii, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, that's and that probably one of the world famous waves. And what it what is it with that spot? It's just like the waves are just always big, like every year, pretty much. Or what kind of draws surfers to that spot? Um, it's just the way the reefs are shaped, and obviously we're we're in the middle of the Pacific here. I think the closest landmass is about three thousand miles away. So when a swell hits this place, there's nothing to obstruct it, so it just comes at full force. So the okay. first thing the swell hits is here, and you know there's the way the reefs are shaped over the years is just, it's some of the 
more perfect waves in the world. And it's also like unmatched power pretty much. I mean, there's heavy waves everywhere else too, but over here, this seven, they call it the seven mile miracle. There's a stretch of beach right here that has a ton of spots and, uh, you know, pretty much more or less every waves world famous on this coastline right here. Wow, man. That's interesting. And like prior to moving to Hawaii, like had you been interested in surfing or surfed yourself or like, how do you kind of get into that world? <laughs> Not one bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I mean, I was a skateboarder my whole life, right? I'm a skateboarder and a photographer. So I was like, I have to be in LA or New York, or I need to be in a big city. Like, and uh, obviously the skateboarding brought me out of Finland and uh, I was in Orange County for 10 years and then 10 years pretty much in LA. And I was like, okay, I'm never leaving this place. Like, this is where I need to be out, you know? Yeah. If I want to pursue photography, I need to be, do this. And um, I, uh, I got interested in surfing at the ripe age of 36. I came back from our skateboard tour and I was like, I quit smoking cigarettes. And I was like, I had all this energy. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I just started driving to the beach and I was like, you know what? I want to catch a wave. I want to, wow. I need to figure this out. And there was months, I think it was like three, four months of pretty much every day of just getting absolutely pounded and just no progression in sight. <laughs> Cause I bet uh, a, lot of, a lot of people would probably think like, Oh yeah, you're like a, a you're a pro skateboarder for decades and you've done amazing stuff in that world. And they'd be like, oh, you can skateboard, you can surf. But I would imagine you picked up that surfboard. It's like trying to learn how to ollie again or board slide your first little flat bar or something like that, right? Well, that's what I thought, too. It's like, I got this. It's like, how hard can it be just to be <laughs> riding on a wave? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and uh, it was a pretty harsh wake-up call where it's like, it's after years of skateboarding and, and doing it professionally and stuff and just going back to just completely kooking it was pretty hard <laughs> it was pretty hard to swallow it's like i'm the kook in the yeah. water i'm the guy who's on everyone's way i don't know what i'm doing so the learning curve is really hard if anyone gets interested in surfing i i highly recommend it doing it as a young kid because mm -hmm. it's the learning curve is pretty painful um but anyway so i i uh i did i did about a year of surfing in Los Angeles. I mean, you can't even really call it surfing. I was mostly just paddling for my life. Yeah. And still am. But um, <laughs> California waves and coming to Hawaii a year after, it's a whole different ballgame. It's the, the water is very serious over here. Yeah. It's like it's like going from a, a mini ramp to the vert ramp. It's like it, it's two different worlds pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's almost just like first time you barely know how to stand on a skateboard. You're just learning how to push and someone goes like, okay, drop in on that vert ramp, mm -hmm. you know, but if you don't do it, the vert ramp's going to fall on you. So you better make it. <laughs> yeah. And what's, so. you know, and, and, and my knowledge of surfing is like, you see it in movies, like, like obviously surfing the way it's portrayed in movies is different than probably what it really is, but are like surfers as territorial as they make it out to be like in movies. Like if you show up at a certain spot, they're like, what the fuck are you doing here? Or like, what's the vibe of like the surf scene, I guess. Oh yeah, totally. It's funny. Cause I mean, you can meet some person on land and then you see him in the water is like, wait, that's the same guy. Like it's, it's this total different personality. It's kind of, it's definitely like people are out for blood. You know what I mean? Especially when it's good. 
yeah, because the, like, the waves. A ser- there's a serious, serious pecking order. Like whatever happens on land is one thing, but then whatever happens in the lineup in the water, it's like there's a there's a very, very strict pecking order for sure. No, it's interesting, and it's, you, it seems like you've been shooting a ton of surfing, a lot of cool stuff uh, lately. And I was just curious, like, how does surf photography work? Because with skateboarding, for the most part, like a lot of skate photographers, you kind of you work with a photographer or a skater works with a photographer. You make might make a plan to go shoot a photo or something. But with surfing, you see all these photographers on the beach. So is it basically everyone's just kind of like poaching, like whatever? Shoot, if like Kelly Slater's out there surfing or John John Florence, it's just like a free for all for the photographers. Or like, how does that work? Anybody can kind of just go out there and shoot whoever's surfing, pretty much. Or yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean. Hawaii and some of these spots right here, like pipeline, like you can literally stand on the sand and shoot with a 50 millimeter lens. That's how close the wave is to you. Right. Wow. So you can just stand there and watch it happen. It's like a, it's like an open air theater. Um, so that's kind of cool. So you don't need like super long lenses to just be roaming the beach and shooting right here. And, and pipeline, obviously when it's good, it's one of the, more perfect waves in the world and it's one of the most respected waves and people that want to try to make it as a pro they come over here and try to try to get a good wave on it you know yeah so if you if you're into photographing waves or surfing like that's pretty good place to be but um so there's a lot of hobbyists there's a lot of people that shoot for fun whatever and just do that kind of stuff i mean that's what i do i'm just a hobbyist student of surf photography you know what i mean um, I mean, people people are kind of starting to know me over here a little bit, but it's still I'm kind of a, just a, you know, just a dude on the beach. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're shooting some pretty um, big dogs. That's obviously, like- a lot of. Say again. There's a, I mean, a lot of and a lot of the the big dogs like they obviously have their own photographers and mm. this and that. And there's there's a crew of water photographers. There's a crew of people on the beach. There's a crew of people who sort of work for Surfline or whatever. And like, you know, they all kind of gather i mean i'm mostly just being kind of shooting for fun um i shot some stuff for nixon this last year that was pretty fun um with the florence brothers so i shot shot with them and stuff but um as far as the the last couple of um instagram posts and what you've seen i've been just that was just last month i've been just dropping my kid off at the school and then just roam the beach in the morning for a couple hours and just trying to get my street photography on yeah. in waves. <laughs> oh, that is, that is, that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, yeah, I've really been digging the stuff you've been doing. It's almost a lot of the photos that you're doing, like kind of drag shutter and kind of like a blur to it. It almost seems like real painterly. Uh, how do you kind of, how do you approach shooting surfing? Like, do you kind of have like a, what kind of gear do you bring with you? And what's kind of your go-to kit when you go out and shoot surfing, I guess? Um, I mean, really trying to just, are you there yeah i'll pull up i don't know what happened oh are you yeah i was gonna pull up, sure? pull up some of the stuff oh. cool oh you're oh i was just like wait what uh, <laughs> people can uh, see what's it. happening here people Who's can see the photos? my computer <laughs> um yeah i mean lately i mean just i did a little update on the website just been trying to get some new work up there and stuff mm-hmm. and um i've been really just trying to tone down my gear you know because i went i did the classic of starting to shoot and then just get your head wrapped up in like how many pro photo packs can you jam into one photo 
you know mm -hmm. what I mean? How, how many light modifiers, how much light can you bring? Um, that, you know, the first couple of years of really getting into photography, your head tends to go that way. And now, now I've been just kind of toning it back. It's like, okay, well, what else can I cut out of my bag? Mm -hmm. And I, I just got a smaller camera bag now. So it just barely fits my, my new Canon R5 and a 100 to 500 lens in there. And that's the only thing that's in there. How are you liking the R5? Everyone's talking about it. Are you using your like old L-series lenses or what are you kind of using with the R5? Yeah, I still have. So I only got that one new RF lens, that zoom lens. Mm -hmm. um, I love the lens. I mean, I'm kind of like, I was like, oh, I should have probably switched the mirrorless a little bit earlier on. But whatever, I was shooting with the Canon yep. 1DX Mark II forever for the last four or five years. I was shooting with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really like that camera. That's obviously a proper workhorse, you know? Mm hmm you could probably frame a house with that thing too. You could probably use it as a hammer. You, could be, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so that's the nice part about it. Yeah, um, man. But I really, I really, I'm, I'm gladly surprised about the R5. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause I was forever. I was again, I was really bummed on the EVFs. So I just couldn't um, get, get into it, you know? Yeah. It's like, like, it's like the it's land. Like I want a clear image. It's like looking through like a camcorder. It's almost like, like looking through like a V uh, VX one thousand like old like Sony camcorder lens. I hate it too, man. It's uh, it's yeah. A I was just like, I can't, I can't, I couldn't get over it. That was the only drawback for me. I was like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Because obviously I shot with the Leica, Leica, Leica's forever and the digital ones and stuff. And I love, I love the rangefinder. I was like, why don't they just make that? You know. Mm -hmm. But obviously. Um, but now shooting with that for a couple of weeks, it's, I, I don't even think about it anymore. The, yeah. the only thing it kind of like when it gets to super low light, it just kind of the, the refresh rate starts getting kind of weird. So yeah. that's the only time it starts kind of like low light, super low light. But that's usually when there's no light to shoot anyway, you know? I got some buddies, they actually shoot uh, on some of those cameras. They'll just use the, the flip out screen and stuff like that on some of those cameras, even when they're shooting portraits. So they're like, it's interesting how some people do it. Like they just like handhold it and they're basically shooting portraits and just looking at the screen on the back, like live shooting pretty much, which I've never done, but it, there's I guess, a million different ways you can kind of do it, you know? But it's kind of cool too. If you're shooting portraits that way, because sometimes people get super, um, or, they, or a little bit more self-conscious when you have a camera in your face and you're shooting a photo. But as soon as you drop the camera, that yeah. looks like you're not even shooting. Yeah. People tend to relax. So it could be, you could kind of almost use this as a, like a rolly flex and you're looking down and just like shooting while yeah. people are not paying attention, which, yeah. But yeah, I know there's like, everyone's like, no, you can't shoot a photo without looking through the camera. Like there's some old school skate photographers like, what, you shoot a fisheye photo and not look through the camera? I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to stick my head six inches away from the coping line when someone's about to do a front diagram or whatever, or bail their board. Like, I'm just going to stick, I know what the lens does. I'm just going to stick yeah. my hand out there and a camera. And if something gets hit, it might be just my fingers and a lens, but at least it's not my head. So like, I don't know. I feel like there's no rules to it. If you know your lens that well, that you don't need to look through the camera, don't look through the camera. Yeah, know? definitely. There ain't no rules to this shit. It's, uh, yeah. you set your focus point and you go wild. I remember back in the day, cause I, I, I've lived in Boston pretty much my whole life. And I, I, I grew up skating around here and Ben Colin, who I'm sure, you know, uh, yeah. amazing photographer. And he used to have, 
back in the day, the, the, the camera that all the skate photographers used was the Nikon F5. That was like the go-to camera for a long time. And you could, the F5, you could take off like the top part and you could just like, like you say, you can, you could look down on the camera. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So Ben always used to do that. I'd see him like shooting sequences and he would just kind of have a spot and look at the little, look down and just kind of move the camera and stuff like that, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, for skating too, it's like you, like there's so many angles that you have to be super low. Like sometimes it just, you got to keep the camera right on the ground, like as low as you can go. So having those flip up screens for that particular use is great. You don't have to stick your face because in the, in the gutter and look through the viewfinder you're trying to bring <laughs> something you're eyeballs to rub in the ground you know yeah definitely um, how's uh how's the skate scene in hawaii have you been skating out there much or shooting much skating at all uh, since you've been out there or what's kind of the scene out there um there's a pretty good scene here on oahu um there's you know there's some kids in town that kind of are like there's like a little street crew that mostly skate to street stuff but a lot of the skate parks on the island are pretty transition based. So mm -hmm. a lot of the skating that comes out of here is kind of surf transition kind of ramp more bowls. You know, it's, it's more kind of a flowing type of skating that comes out of here, but there's a couple of heads over here. that are just like kind of straight street skaters. Um, but I, I feel like the parks dictate a lot what, you know, what comes out of here. Um, they just built a new one in Kapolei and they built kind of like a street league type of course. Yep. Um, so that's cool. That's more streety. You know, they, they just, they, they did that whole deal. So maybe that's going to kind of, you know, shift the gears a little bit, but uh, you know, it's, it's an Island. It's, it's so surf heavy that it's like surf skate flow, you know? Yeah. So no, that's no, kind of vibe over here, but it's, there's a good, there's a good scene. I mean, I just shot um, Haimana Reynolds the other day, uh, that young Hawaiian kid, and he's on the U.S. Olympic. Are you there? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I froze. Yeah, you are saying you photographed uh, was a, a skater or a surfer was on the U.S. Olympic team? A skateboarder. Yeah. Skateboarder kid for Haimana Reynolds. Um, I shot – we shot a little article for uh, Men's Health magazine. It's probably going to come out in a little bit. Wow, that's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, that's cool. That's it's it's fun to shoot for different kind of publications. I mean, obviously, I've been so heavily footed in skateboarding for years. I mean, my professional skateboard years were probably from like you know, 2000 to 2013. And uh, 2013, Atiba couldn't go on a on a skate trip, so he was just like he told the Oakley guys like, "No, take this kid with you." And and they're like, "Really? Like what? Well, I thought he was a skater. Like, can he shoot?" It's like, he's, Atiba was just like, "Yeah, he can shoot. Take him." So I kind of have to thank Atiba for kickstarting my photo career in the in the skateboarding business because that's that's where kind of that's where the shift happened, you know? Yeah. And since 2013, I've been it kind of became a job for me. Was that like a hard transition? Like going from like skateboarding is like your whole life and everything you've done for a long time to like, it's like any athlete, you reach a point, your body can only do so much. Was it like a hard thing? Obviously you still skate sometimes. I don't know if you still have interest in filming parts or doing that kind of thing anymore, but is it kind of hard to make that transition to doing something new in your life? Uh, I would be lying if I said it was easy. <laughs> Yeah, it, it definitely almost killed me a couple times. Yeah, 
So it was definitely a hard transition. Um, but doing skateboarding for so long at that level and it wasn't by choice that I kind of had to get out of skateboarding. I kept getting injuries. So I, I kept blowing on my ACL, my left knee. I think so you by, had like six knee surgeries, right? Yeah. So throughout my whole career, I was just like, I was in and out of the hospital, just whether I was knocked out or getting knee surgeries or whatever. So it was like, I had pretty injury prone career for that 10 years. So I, I but as hard as that was, that, that was kind of the reason why I also got into photography and how I just, every time I would get injured, I'd be like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, I, I'm going to be sitting around or not really doing much for the next six to 10 months, you know, while I'm rehabbing my knee and whatever. It's like, I need something to, something to satisfy my brain. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I would always pick up a camera and then whatever, three, four months into it, I would, you know, go on a trip or two start shooting my bros skating whatever so i was still in the scene so i wasn't completely kicked out of it i'd be like okay i can go hang out with the boys and i have a purpose you know um so that's that's kind of what got me into photography and and realizing early makes you think like what are you gonna do next in life like this is not gonna last forever you know the skateboarding thing doesn't last forever so I kind of started uh, started working on that straight away and just kind of had that in the back of my head going, okay, maybe I'm just going to start shooting photos and see what happens. Yeah, definitely, so, man. I think it's something like everybody can relate to at some point in their life, but you don't even have to be a pro skater. You could be having a job that you fucking hate, but to like make that jump to do something different, I, I felt that plenty of times in my life. It's like, what am I going to do? How do I start making momentum to doing something? But it, it sounds great that you actually found something. Do, do you feel like photography gives you the same satisfaction as like skateboarding and those days when you're filming those amazing parts like Sorry and Minik Mahdi and all those things? Does photography still bring you that much enjoyment? I mean, at first, no. Like when you're going through that change of you're like, you're letting go one thing and moving on to the next and you're like, okay, this is kind of sick, but it doesn't really fully satisfy the need but eventually like shooting for a couple years yes it completely switched and like by 2015 2016 i was like i rather try to create an image an epic skate shot of rather than me physically trying to skate like i was like not even it wasn't even in my head anymore it's like oh i want to go skate this spot i'm like i want to shoot a photo of this i want to make this pick look rad i want to make you know, I wanna. I was more into making the image than I was actually physically drawn to skateboarding. But I went through a serious battle of like, have like switching that up. Yeah. So it took it took years for sure. Yeah, definitely, man. And the I, I the book I uh, I interviewed Pete Thompson recently, who I know you're you're friends with, amazing photographer, and he just published this book. And you had a page in there, man. It was fucking gnarly. It was like. You're very upfront. You're like, you're like, I approach, you're like, I don't, I didn't think I was going to live past 27. And I think I got it right here. You basically said like the way you approach skateboarding, like skating all those big rails and stuff was like, you're just like, fuck it. I'm going to cheat death. I don't care if I die. I'm just going to do it. Was that, was that really your mentality? Like that's how you had to to, shoot, to skate those big rails and the crazy stuff you're doing. That's kind of the mind frame you had to put yourself in to do that crazy stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely had no intention of living past 30. That's for sure. And, wow. and it's, I mean, looking back at it now, it's like, yeah, it's super silly to even think that way. But that's what, what I thought. And in a weird way, I had a lot of close calls, but obviously someone was looking after me and like I managed to manage yeah. to pull through there yeah. and in some sort of a weird sick way I think it did help me skate the way I skated and create the career that I created of taking the path I took you know mm-hmm. what I mean and were you like so, when you were like filming those videos like sorry or Minigmati or minefield are you like a are you like a competitive person are you or are you just when you're putting those parts is it just you skating and whatever you get is what you get or were you kind of competitive with yourself and like what you wanted to do and like accomplish with your video parts, I guess? Well, there's a, there's a few things that came together when and we're filming that S Medic Madi video and Flip Sorry video mm-hmm. in those days. Um, yeah, you could say that I'm pretty competitive and I don't even know if I'm competitive or is it just more if I'm just more narcissistic than anything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it's good. <laughs> There's a healthy dose of narcissism in there. Um, just, it, I mean, yeah, I feel like any any level, like high-level athlete, like you have to put so much time into it that it kind of turns into a pretty selfish obsession. Mm-hmm. And uh, for years, I definitely put everything skateboarding in front of everything in life it's like whether it be family or whatever this like skateboarding was the first thing the by far um so that obviously helps you put in the hours and practice and all that stuff um and probably a bit of healthy competitive side to it too but it was also during those projects for s we had an incredible team of skateboarders you know we had rodrigo tx Austin. So we had some of the some of the younger generation and some of the older current generation at the time. And it was probably the best shoe teams in the world at the time. And same goes for Flip, the board brand at the time. Like we just, I think, had some of the best skaters on the team. And and Fred Mortania was doing the video. And he was kind of a young kid and he started filming and no one really knew him yet. So he got these two big projects kind of as his first big projects and no one really knew where where it was going mm-hmm. but um pretty soon after filming him with few months everyone saw that the video clips and the, the type of filming he did at the time and all the skaters loved it like all the angles and everything like everyone was just like holy crap like this kid's good this video is going to be good so everyone on the team started working together and kind of um thriving off of each other and like and, and, and put Fred in there, the glue that brought everything together and visually making it look amazing. So when you go out with a photographer, a videographer, where you just know that this guy is gonna make it look the best. Like there's no better guy right now on the scene that can make this tr- trick look any better. So it kind of makes you try harder as well. So throughout those projects, it was kind of the, you know, feeding off of each other's energy that you're just like, oh, this kid, like this guy did that trick. And you kind of, you didn't really necessarily see everyone's footage, but you just kind of knew some of the tricks that went down and some of the stuff. And you're just like, yeah, okay, I got to, I got to put, you know, everything I got into it. 
And uh, since Fred's doing that same thing, these other guys are doing that same thing. And it's just kind of the synergy of the project that kind of helped create those videos, I think. Yeah, that was like the first, that video came out when I was like 15. I remember they had a premiere at one of the local movie theaters here. And it was like, the Medic Monty, for me, I just watched it again last night. (laughs) Yeah, the intros are so good, like where it has like the graphics of like each place. And he did like a little intro piece for every skater, like you were talking uh, in Finland. And then you came to America. But yeah, I think it was like the first video I ever saw where they were like, using generators and lighting up spots and he was like doing roll buys it was like you're it was just like cutting edge at the time yeah no that's where the that's where the frangle started the what the, fr- the frangle oh that's what you guys called it the fred Montaigne. The frangle the, yeah fred the fred french fred french fred rolling angle because he would he would stand on his skateboard and film with the bx long yeah. lens and and a lot of the time at the top all the following Follow cam was fisheye on a skateboard guy pushing behind you filming fisheye and that's pretty easy to do mm-hmm. but actually roll on a skateboard look through a bxv finder that's super crappy and then not Shake. not get killed by a car or whatever hit a crack or whatever like that was really hard to do mm-hmm. be basically turned into a human dolly you know it's it's uh People pay a lot of money for that kind of angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so he would start. He would start doing that, and he was just kind of getting more experimental. And he was doing, he was doing filming stuff, filming styles in skateboarding that no one else was doing, and, and everyone kind of noticed that. That was working on the project and stuff was just like, wow, this is going to be insane. You know? Yeah, definitely. And do you feel like being like you're you're a pro skateboarder and you were collaborating with a bunch of different photographers be it atiba or pete thompson uh probably a bunch of other photographers do you feel like you learned a lot about photography uh, getting to kind of work with them even when you're like a pro skateboarder i guess oh yeah i mean yeah i probably shot with pete the first time he was probably like who's this kid like he doesn't even speak english i was mm-hmm. like that was my first trip to sf and wow. with john holland back in like 90 that was 98 or 99 99 maybe I met Pete for the first time and uh, yes, I definitely had a little bit of a head start as far as like the learning curve for photography because I was surrounded by some of the best skate photographers for 10 years. Yeah. And I, just, I would just start picking their brain, you know, like how many, how many people photographers, you know, that are, you know, friends with hundred photographers yeah. you know, for 10 years yeah, or whatever, you know, and, and there's no like animosity or anything because I was just a skater kid and I didn't really know much and I was just like, what does that weird 55 Mets do? Whatever. Oh, Hasselblad. Oh, that's an 80 mil lens. Okay, what is that? What about the 120? Oh, the 120 looks a lot better on skating. Oh, blast duration. What's that? 500 sync. Whatever. So I, I was just start kind of picking their brain and just everywhere I went, everyone I shot with, I was just like scoping out their gear and just seeing their method. So. I was pretty lucky in that way that I got a full crash course tutorial to world-class skate photography at the time. Yeah. You know? And were you like the kind of processing your own film and like working in the dark room at all, or did you ever kind of dabble with that stuff at all? Yeah, for sure. I, I, um, I actually did that in high school too. Like I was already interested in photography back then, but yeah, I had like early 2000s. I when I got into it, I had a I had a little darkroom set up my house and tried to do a little printing and 
and stuff that stuff like that. So I've always been interested in all the processes. I think I think I think I tried to set up Darkroom twice. I had one in my house in early 2000s, then I tried to set up another one 10 years later, but I never I never I can never say that I became a printer or anything. It was just more like a fun thing to try to understand and print and whatever, but then you're like, okay, if you yeah, I, I've dabbled with kind of everything, but like I said before, like I just try to cut everything down and simplify everything. And the, the best part of photography that I like is the act of shooting, just being out there and shooting. So I'm going to leave the printing to somebody else. Now I'm in the same boat, man. Like I used to have a dark yeah. room, but if I, if I had to set it up now, man, I'd have to go back on YouTube and figure out how to do it again. Uh, but, but yeah, it was fun to dabble with. It's, it's kind of interesting to see now. I don't know if you're still shooting any film these days, but films like got a like crazy resurgence. Like people are buying like film cameras, like they're, they're crazy expensive on eBay. And like, I see tons of people that are shooting like film. You see it all over Instagram. It, it's kind of wild to see, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. For sure. I mean, I, I dabble, I go, I kind of go through phases with it too. Like I'll shoot some film and then I'm like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> I'm just going to shoot, I'm just going to shoot the R5 and just load them into capture one and yeah, and off we go. Um, but I understand that. I think it's a good, I, I, sh I learned to shoot on film. There was mm -hmm. no digital cameras when I started shooting early 2000s. So I already kind of went through that whole thing and having to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then yes, for certain things, I'll just I'll I'm feeling already. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna shoot some film. Yeah. But I think it's a different process for sure. You have to approach it a little differently. And every frame you shoot, you have to think a little bit more ahead of time. So it's kind of good for people to do that and just kind of go ahead and just not just fire off thousand frames in hopes of landing something. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I. I I kind of understand that and it's it's fun to shoot with different kind of cameras and all that stuff but um I mean hopefully hopefully it stays I mean so far I feel like there hasn't been a type of photography that has completely disappeared ever since like tin types and stuff like people are doing you know oh there's like a shooting collodion prints and shit like all the different processes of photography are still around in some form yeah which is pretty rad like digital hasn't completely replaced everything no definitely not i mean i saw on your website now you got some really sweet like type 55 portraits of like the surfer uh it, you still got some type 55 in the fridge man froze still there arto oh yeah still there yeah you froze oh yeah for a second. yeah no i was saying uh on your website you have some real cool portraits of the surfer you shot on type 55 the four by five is uh is that something you, you still got some sheets in the fridge man of the, the, the yeah yeah i got a couple of sheets yeah i um yeah that's that's one thing i want to shoot film on four by five there's there's no really digital four by five camera so yeah um the, that was a fun little thing i just finally finally got that out of the out of the box like i said i've been like i'm unpacking boxes for three years i've been finding all kinds of stuff damn and type 55 was one of one of them no, no, I really enjoyed it. It was a great film and a great picture. Uh, I had to ask you about, you actually photographed one of my good friends, Alexis Sablon, for uh, Vogue magazine. It was her, I think, Vanessa Torres, and a couple other uh, female skateboarders. I was kind of curious about how, how that kind of came about and how it was kind of working with Vogue, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, that was that was super cool. They were, they, um, 
it was it came from Vogue. They were looking for a photographer to shoot the project, and then they they hit up my agent, and it kind of rolled from there. But obviously, I already knew all the girls and everything. And then once they heard I'm shooting it, said so they got pretty psyched on it too. And it was just a it was a it was a cool trip to highlight some of the girl skaters on the on the scene. And like they, you know. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, girl skateboarders, it's great to see there's more and more every year and they're getting better and better. It's really great to see Um, with the assignment work, stuff like that. How do you approach it? Do you approach assignment work different than you are shooting your own work? Like, do you kind of go in with a plan of like how you want to execute it or how you want to approach it? Or do you kind of just let things kind of happen organically or what's kind of your approach to assignments, I guess? I mean, Basically, like once, once you get the call and then you're like, you start preparing for it and you're just pulling your hair out of your head for like a week or two straight freaking out. I'm going to need this, I'm going to need that. I was like, I'm going to need like 14 more pro photo packs and backdrops and this and that and assistance and Digitex and all this stuff. And you're like, you're just freaking out. Like, what am I going to do? What kind of images am I going to make? Da, 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 da. And then you get the set and it all comes out the window. Mm-hmm. And especially with skateboarding, because you go on a location, they're like, hey, we're going to shoot here. And then they're like, well, there's a car parked in front of it or, or whatever. It's mitigating the light conditions change all the time, too. So you just never really know what you're walking into. So mm. that kind of all goes out the window. But I try to I try to approach every I mean, every project I kind of I approach the same. I just try to give it give it my all. I'm not really, you know, thinking any other other thing other than like how the, like you just try to like block everything out be there in the moments like how can i make this situation look the best as i can or what like what's the end goal here you know yeah so for yeah. a couple of days i shot some stuff with Alyssa and in, in uh in sf she's over there and then a lot of the other girls were down in la so it was you know a couple of days in sf a couple of days in la and then, um, then i shot down in san diego Kim Cespedes, um, she's an older generation, like I think she was more like 70s skater maybe, so some really cool portraits with her and um, and some cruisy shots, like she was skating on the boardwalk and stuff, which kind of ended up being one of my favorite frames in the, in the, in the shoe. Oh yeah, I think I got it. Up. But yeah, I just try to, and that was obviously all like very raw docky style imagery, what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were shooting some on the streets in LA, some in the parks and stuff, and you know, a couple of couple of long days. But no, it came out came out pretty good. Oh, there, oh, you pulled it up, yeah. Yeah, this was a great photo. I was like, man, I hope I'm skating at that age. You know, this she's still like carving it out and this killing it. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, she was really cool, and uh, yeah, no, everyone, everyone, yeah, we worked hard for those past couple of days. Um, on that shoot but yeah no but alexis she's she's incredible she's only getting she, better she man might be on the olympic team too no yeah she is on the olympic team but i just read last week now it sounds like japan they're not going to do the olympics again this year even they're just going to push it back three years because with the COVID, i guess it sounds like they're they're not even going to do it this year now which kind of sucks yeah wow that's that's kind of heavy yeah what was your but opinion? What what's what's your opinion on skateboarding in the Olympics? I think it's cool. Like you know, some people hate on it, but I think it's, I think it's kind of cool to see skateboarding out there. You know, 
I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's it's funny to see, you know, becoming becoming an Olympic sport because when I started it, like everyone says, like, what are you doing? You're wasting your life. You're never going to maintain like skateboarding. Like, you guys should just stop playing around. Da, da, da. There's no skate parks, nothing. Mm-hmm. For In 20 years, going from kind of the public perception of like, it's kind of like just a fad to Olympic sport. It's rad to see. And um, I think it's great because it, it's only, it's only going to make skate parks better. More of them are going to pop up. Yep. It's going to be more widely accepted. Um, yeah. There's going to be a commercial aspect to it and all that stuff, but skateboarding itself is always kind of just going to do its own thing anyway. Like that's Olympics is just one part of it. One mm-hmm competitive side of it which is great and it's gonna feed the industry in one way and but there's this whole other culture and this whole other world that's that skateboarding like music art photography like there's just so many different approaches to it that i don't think it matters really i think there's room for olympics too you know yeah, definitely. I'm still going to be skating flat ground at the grocery store near my house and skating the curb. You know, that ain't going to change it. Yeah, you're that, still going to be going slapping curbs and whatever. Yeah, It's man. like, it doesn't, I don't think it matters. No, definitely. And, you know, one thing I'm always kind of interested about, like being a photographer, um, did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your voice as a photographer? And like, is like style and aesthetic something you think about? Like, you know, like when you look at someone like, you know, like Avedon, you know it's an Avedon photo or there's yeah. certain photographers who really have their their you can you know it's their photo is like style and aesthetic something you you think about a lot when you're shooting just kind of looking at your overall body of work yeah for sure I mean I'm, I'm definitely as you can probably tell I'm stuck on Avedon I've been stuck on Avedon for a year. he's the <laughs> best man you he, he's a he's great I, I just I just love simple imagery like, like just I like Black and white portrait against white is always just a class act, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously Avedon's had a huge influence on me as a photographer and some of Leibovitz's early, you know, Rolling Stone stuff. Yep. And Jagger in the hallway and just that that whole era of Annie's like photojournalistic stuff. Um, and and more and more and more, more um, drawn toward raw photojournalistic stuff you know and and skateboarding is such a documentarian thing as well even though people started shooting with medium format and Hasselblad and 10 flashes and all that stuff but it was still photojournalistic even though it was like kind of lit studio style in the streets yeah but you couldn't photoshop the guy and move it around or do this or that it's like everything has to be done in camera mm-hmm. everything so my whole school of photography comes from freezing action freezing movement that being skateboarding and whatever you make camera you, you make it in camera you don't you don't do it afterward yeah like that one photo on my site or whatever like holston and lance yeah um, that uh, lit the pool on fire and and painted a backdrop and it was a whole production hanging some model planes or whatever and um Oh, so you guys, you, you guys hung those planes. I'll pull it up so people can look at it. I thought the planes were photoshopped in afterwards, actually. You did it in camera. No, no. Lance, Lance came up. The day of the shoot, Lance came up with those planes and was like, here, I made these. And he, he had hand painted them with all the, all the colors on them and everything. And, and uh, he, you know, 
Lance brought the outfit and Olsen brought his outfit and my buddy Tate, who, uh, who builds, who paints buildings for a living in, in LA, those big commercial, you know, set of buildings when they yeah. do ads and stuff. So he can really paint big stuff. So we pulled him in to help us paint the backdrop. Holy shit. Um, and we just stretched a massive canvas on some two by fours and, and, uh, hung that in there and, and, uh, and went to work right at right at dark. Obviously, I didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't control the light too much in the backyard, so we had to wait like right until like the last thirty minutes of the day. So mm-hmm. we only had like 10, tri- 10 or eleven tries to do this. And obviously, the fumes got pretty bad too. So really, like, really I know. Yeah. I was like, damn! I hope you didn't burn down your house. <laughs> it was like fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> It was closed. I mean, I'll tell you that well, the wife wasn't too happy when she came back halfway through at the shoot. She was like, "What is going on? Are you ruining everything?" <laughs> like, no, we need a couple more frames. Come on. Um, I think I think this is our number ten or eleven. I think this is the last frame, mm-hmm. the last time we lit the coping on fire, and it was the it was the make. Um, we you know. The, the previous 10 frames to are kind of close and whatever, but it just wasn't like his hand was in a weird spot or the scarf was blocking something or the air position wasn't good or the fire wasn't good or something, something just wasn't right. And uh, I was just like, oh man, we're not, we're just, we just did a couple of days of work setting this whole thing up and it's not going to work. And I was just like, oh man, man. oh yeah. man. And, but it, the last frame ended up being the frame. And uh, they ended up running as a skateboard mat cover. Wow. Was, still was that your first cover? That might have been my first cover, yeah. As wow. for, for skateboard mag, yeah. Yeah. Might be my only cover for yeah. a skateboard. Yeah. No, I think it's cool. Like like you said, like like now it, so- it sounds like you're more kind of pared down with your gear. You're shooting a lot of natural light, not as much strobe and stuff. But I think it is it's like important just to kind of explore photography and have fun. And like, you might not shoot this way anymore, but like you, you definitely probably learned something from like putting this production together that you might be able to apply to something down the line, you know? Yeah. It was cool to do something theatrical like this and just kind of mess with the lights and just kind of tune it all in and everything. And, you know, it was, it, it was a pro, you know, it was a fun little project. And, and the funnest part about that was that we're all working together. We're all designing and Lance, Lance and also we're helping Tate paint the backdrop and, yeah. you know, we're putting it together. It was, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a budget. We didn't have an art department. We were it, you know? So, yeah, man. So we, everyone, everyone kind of pulled together. So I think that, that made it super special. Just like, and it kind of just reminds me too, it's like, you gotta work on your personal projects. Like we weren't shooting that for cover. Mm-hmm. Lance and Steve had that idea and they were kicking that idea around for about seven years. Wow. But they never, they didn't have a place to do it. They didn't have a place to do it anywhere. And they were just kind of like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's just do it. And then, then one day they mentioned that idea to me and I was just like, let's do it. Let's do it Thursday or whatever. <laughs> and I was, and I was like, no, they're never going to show up or whatever. And it's yeah. never going to happen. Like they have been talking about for seven years, like these two, like they're not going to pull it together. But then one day Lance just shows up on my, shows up at my house with the canvas and the two by fours for the frame so we're like all right i guess we're doing it mm-hmm. we, we stretch the canvas hung the canvas and then we're like okay what do we do now uh last like oh whatever i'll paint it and he just he takes a brush and he just does one dab of blue on it and was just like i can't do it like what 
Well, I can't paint. I'm never paint. You said you're gonna paint. He's like, I can't do it. It's just like I'm like, that's it. Like we got this huge canvas stretched out and we're stuck. I was like, you know what? Let me call Tate. Let me let me see what he's up to. And I kind of explained the situation to him, like, hey, we're trying to shoot this photo. Da, da, da. Can you help us out? It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll be over there tomorrow. It's yeah. like, so I just kind of started rolling from there. But it was all these funny little hurdles along the way, but we managed they to pull to, it off. That's the name of the game with photography. Like any any job, half the jobs I shoot, like editorial, like I show up, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna do this, but then the curveball always happens. So you just gotta like on the fly make make it happen, make sure you get the job done, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely good to have a, a plan for mm-hmm. sure and have a backup plan and a maybe plan C as well. <laughs> um, but like you said, the, I think the best way that you just have to be able to adapt on the spot because sometimes like none of your plans work and they're just like, okay, that's out the window and I got to figure it out. And I think it's a lot of photography and some of the best best imagery comes when you leave a little room for the magic to happen like you have a plan you do your thing but you always kind of you almost have to wait for that moment to present in itself and mm-hmm. i kind of tried to cater to that like sometimes uh, you go to shoots and i have no idea what i'm doing but i'm just like you just gotta show up and shoot yeah. and you're like wow i'm glad i did yeah man like just roam, just roaming the beach last couple of weeks i've been kind of like ah, it's kind of early kind of tired it's a little rainy. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to go trek in the sand right now. But it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go walk the beach for 45 minutes and just see what happens. And so far every day I've shot some kind of a weird blurry image that. Dude, I'm, like, lo- I'm loving, like I said it before, man, I'm loving the blurry shit, dude. The blurry, it's a, the, the one with the, the surfboard that's flying out of the water and it's like blue. And then the one you posted the other day, like the palm tree and it's all black and white and blurry, man. It's uh do you feel like, with photography, like you know, with skateboarding, the more you do it, if you're the more you're doing it, you get it just starts to get easier. Like sometimes, like your flat ground gets tighter, your ledge tricks get better. Do you feel the same way yeah. about photography? The the more you just kind of go out there and keep shooting, you, the muscle gets stronger. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, one once you shoot every day, you shoot a couple of pictures every day, whatever, and and um, it kind of gave me a kick to learn how to use this new camera, the mirrorless. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I need to learn how to use this thing. Like, I got a couple of shoots coming up. I was like, I have no idea what, what I'm doing with this with this new camera body, you know? Yeah. And so that's why I just um, stuck with Canon, too. It's like, I don't want to learn a new system and this and that. And plus, I just like the ergonomics on the Canon anyway. Yeah, man. But, I'm, um, I'm just invested. It, I already bought the lenses, so I ain't switching. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You got <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's something that it, then the camera just becomes kind of an extension of you that you're not even thinking about shutter speeds and apertures or focus or anything. You're just shooting. You're just kind of changing stuff on the fly, making mm-hmm. sure it's good. And, and you just kind of you're just flowing with it. I mean, that's I feel like the best way to do this. Then you're then you're always ready for the moment, especially in street photography or any kind of stuff like that, like documentarian work. You just have to be ready to capture the moment and. And uh, the more you do it, the more you're aware of your surroundings or your situations. And, I, and I've been like the for like three years, I've been walking down the beach. I'm like, ah, there's like, oh, man, like there's nothing to shoot here. Like, I really like, I, I don't know what to shoot. <laughs> and I've been just forcing myself to go down there and slow down and yeah. look at it and just study it and just go, 
what am I shooting? There's something here. There's gotta, there's gotta be a world here. There's a world here that I'm not oh, seeing yet. And, hell yeah. There's so and, many. I, I got respect for that. Anybody who can like shoot stuff within their neighborhood. Cause even like I'm here in Massachusetts in some small town, I guarantee on this block, there's like 10 in- interesting faces or people in interesting houses or some guy that works at this store that could be a cool portrait. And it's just like getting out for, there. Yeah. For sure. You've probably been walking past him for 15 years until you notice that little pocket of light and the guy and it's like that's i'm gonna pull him right there i'm gonna shoot him right there and that's the image and it's been right there in front of your face for this whole time but you just haven't mm-hmm. stopped to look at it yeah and man. i feel like so so much of it is that that you just kind of have to just slow down and, and study it um but i was i i've always been like i said like that last picture that you up it's like i've been so obsessed of like just being hyper focused my photos gotta be in focus it's gotta be tack sharp it's you know there can't be a thing out of place whatever like high shutter 2000 whatever like i'm just shooting everything you know mm-hmm. and uh whatever a month ago my my <laughs> my son was looking for apples on the table one morning i left my camera bag on the table mm-hmm. And, or the camera bag was actually on the chair and it's kind of a high table. So he just decided to pull the camera bag off the chair and dump it on the concrete floor so he could get to the apples on the table. Oh, shit. And I'm like, really, dude? Like, and I just, whatever. I looked at the camera. I shot a photo with it. I'm like, cool, works fine. And then um, my buddy hit me up. It's like, hey, come and shoot a couple of surf photos. Um, Julian, who the Type 55 portrait is of, and I, I show up to the beach, I pull the camera, and I start shooting, and the focus is freaking out. I'm like, oh, what shit. is going on? I take a closer look, and the lens is snapped off. Yeah, it's and there's, there's light going through, the camera mount's completely jacked, the lens is jacked, and it's just, it's done. It, the camera's done. It still shot a picture, but it's done. The focus was kind of freaking out. It would focus on one side, and the other side of the image would be blurry. I'm trying to track the surfer and you just, it, it, the, the blurry spot on the screen would always shift depending if the lens would move a little bit or whatever. Yeah. So I shot with that for about a week or two weeks and, and I was, and I was like, well, I can only really shoot blurry images with this. Like, what can I do with this camera now? <laughs> like, it's just done. My, my workhorse is done. Like yeah. my D, my, my DX2 or whatever. Uh, and that's kind of how I started shooting those blurry images. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to slow the shutter all the way down and, uh, and see what happens. Dude, I so, love it. It's great, the, man. I can't get enough of it. Yeah. So the broken camera kind of just kind of just forced me into like thinking in new ways and just keep shooting until my other camera showed up. And now I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to keep shooting blurry stuff with this new stuff. I don't want to shoot a, fo- a, a photo in focus anymore. I'm going to yeah, see man. what happens. You're going to be the, the blurry, you'll be known for the blurry, fo- you're the blurry photographer, man. Yeah. 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 I guarantee you, you hire me. It's going to be out of focus. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, obsessing that for years. And I, I feel like, I mean, a few photographers have mentioned it in different ways, but I feel like, such a big part of making an image a good image is mm-hmm. as important it is what you show it's also as important what not to show yep like the the image is made in the shadows you know it's like what can you not show and that's kind of what what i notice is makes that makes more of a compelling image usually you know 
Yeah, I've always liked your work. It's similar. I really enjoy uh, real, like, rich, dark blacks. Like, you see it in your black and white stuff, definitely. But even the color, it seems like you really like contrast and deep kind of rich blacks, especially in your black and white work, it seems like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's always been a... Yeah, dark shadows, a lot of them. Yep. Yeah, show, I feel like show less stuff. It's just more more interesting. Less, yeah. is, less is more... I was going to pull this up. This seemed like an interesting shoot, something a little different than what you normally shoot. I believe it was with like a like a fashion brand I saw on Instagram, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the brand's called Hot As Hell, and they do uh, women's swimwear mm-hmm. and some other stuff, but it's mostly known for their um, you know, bikinis and stuff. How did you come to they're, they're a smaller LA-based brand, and they're, um, they came over here last year to do a shoot in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're gearing up to come and shoot again, so it might be shooting shooting another another round of photos for them. Is the fashion stuff something you enjoy? And like, how do you guys kind of approach these shoots? Are you kind of like scouting locations beforehand, or are you guys just kind of wandering around the island and kind of shooting? Or how does these kind of work? Yeah. So for this particular shot, these shots that um that with the horse broke on the horse, that that's at Dillingham Ranch. So we have to rent the place out and pull per you know pull um location permit for him and pay for the location and stuff uh, and then some of the other stuff in Hawaii like we you know we were able to shoot on the beach and stuff and get away with it and, and some of this stuff is set up at my house mm-hmm. and uh, um, but there's Charlene the owner she she really liked my skate stuff and just kind of the the whole documentarian vibe of mm-hmm. it and she was like I kind of want to bring this style of photography into into the shoot so very very documentarian raw yeah. editorial vibes you know nothing super overproduced you know so yeah. she's kind of looking at those natural moments but at the same time like we're shooting bikini so things gotta look good and the lights gotta be good and everything so yeah so we ended up doing a bunch of portraits on on white and and some of the stuff on the beach and stuff and that's just images on the on the website i try to try to mix it up i mean my website's so all over the place and you're just like does this guy shoot like what like what is going on but it's like my life is all over the place like sometimes i'm front of the lens sometimes behind the lens i'm over here doing this or doing that and it yeah. kind of all like works around the skateboard world but then you just go and offshoot and someone's like i want you to come over here and be in this bmw commercial i'm like okay cool oh the Let's best the best one i saw you did an ad for finnish airlines and they had you go skate around I think the the airport in Finland or something. There was like a whole video of you just like skating from in the Finland airport. I think in Helsinki or something. Which it was cool. It was an interesting video. Yeah, no, it was that was super trippy because they it was some it was one of the bigger ad agencies in Finland and they they reached out to me and and uh, they're like, hey, we want to do a campaign with you with Finnair. It's like we want you to jump over an airplane. Um, can you do that? I'm like. <laughs> You're calling the wrong guy. You need to call Bob Bernquist for that. <laughs> yeah. um, but I was like, I got you. We can do something else. Like we can, you know, I was like, whatever, figure out what's the budget. Like, I was like, well, that's going to, if you want someone to fly over the airplane, like that's, that's your budget right there. Like you just blew your whole budget on just building the ramp. You know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. To jump over an airplane. So they're like, oh, okay, let's not do that. Then let's do something different. And then that's where that whole, that, 
um, campaign came about. And instead, yeah, I did a little bit of skating throughout the airport and stuff, but we built this whole video around me shooting pictures in mm -hmm. the airport of some of the younger skaters. So yeah, no, it was cool. I managed to shift their focus of them wanting for me to jump over an airplane. Like, I mean, I was already 30 plus years old and barely walking. I was <laughs> like, yeah, like maybe let's let's not do the jumping. Like, how about I shoot some photos? Yeah, and man. they they love the idea, and then yeah. you know we brought in the young kids and. Art director, and, uh, art, art director and photographer and skater man i like it man you get yeah and and the, the big the big ad agency um they kind of we started working and talking and they were kind of picking picking my brain and they would take that and kind of that's they came up with the whole concept and then they ended up hiring my buddies pablo films to, yep. to shoot it all um they're a little production slash uh movie making company in finland Mm -hmm. and uh, they did an incredible job because they were skaters you know so the guy who shot it uh, you know I used to know him back in Finland and stuff and they used to make skate films and stuff I was just like okay we're doing this commercial documentary piece that involves skateboarding but this director is not going to make you ask to do some weird stuff like jump over an airplane yeah. or whatever it's like he knows skateboarding so it's like okay let's film this black country over here and then here we're gonna do this and this portrait here and blah 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 and we're gonna tell a story that way so mm. you know you put all the skaters at ease to know that the director was you know knew what was going on you know that always helps no it was cool it's like motion work something that interests you i know probably it's a while ago probably like six or seven years ago you're out here in boston with uh russell uh, I forget his last name. He was the filmer for New Balance. I met him one time. Uh, Russell Houghton. Yeah, yeah, great, great yeah. filmmaker. And you were, you actually showed up to Eggs, the skate spot in Boston. You were like shooting with a red camera. I don't know what you guys were shooting, but is like filmmaking and motion work. That some, is that something that interests you at all? Yeah, I actually was pretty interested in it for a little bit, and I, I had a red for a couple of years. I, I got super into it, like right around that time when I was there. That I think that might have been my camera. Yeah. Um, so I did that for a couple of years, but then the calls just kept coming in for me shooting pictures, yeah. and I was learning cinema stuff and wrapping my head around the red and started doing little projects. And I shot some stuff for the Wilderness Society with my buddy Asher did a little commercial for them um which was a cool trip that's a whole other story but we, we got dropped off on the brooks range in alaska and river rafted for five days shooting caribou in the wild and ended up all the way in the north coast of alaska and got a bush plane back but Whoa. that's a whole other story so yeah <laughs> was one of the more more of the epic ones i did with the red um but after that uh, the filming cinema and doing video, you just, I feel like to do it right, you need such a big crew. Oh, definitely. It's a lot it's, of moving it, pieces. It's a, it's a way bigger puzzle than creating one still. And my love is in photography and I can go out by myself to the beach and create a three rad image and, you know, start to finish with not, not being too crazy amount of work, but to actually do something in cinema like you have to do a full piece and everything and i just i i kind of i started going that direction but i was like hey i have this career that's just starting in photography like and the calls are coming in like should I pursue this so i just went full into it. i switched around i sold all my red stuff before they brought like 10 new ones i was like you know before it turns into a paper way I was yeah like, okay <laughs> get rid of this go fully in the photography and just do one thing you know 
Mm-hmm. And, and there's been a couple of shoots where people are like, hey, can you shoot video? Can you shoot stills? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you edit? I'm like, yes. What do you want to do? You want to shoot photos? I'll shoot photos. You want to do video? I'll do video. But it's, it's, it's one or the other. Yeah. I've done a few times where I tried to juggle both. And it's just like, you know what? No. no yeah. It's just it, no, no job is really worth of just risking that. And just because then they start taking away from each other oh 100 i think I, I went down that trap like a while back because like when the when the 5d mark ii first came out whatever it was like 10 years ago or something there was yeah. like a, a million videos like dslr filmmaking yada 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 and everyone was like you got to shoot video and stills if you want to keep if you want to stay in business and then i i just started thinking, i was like i guess i have to do this and i right. like, i went down that rabbit hole i bought some gear i took like some classes and i edited some videos and then like same with you i realized i'm like I don't really want to be doing this. I like this shooting photos. So I'm just going to stay in my lane and do what I do, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think the big part of doing good stuff is just to be able to say no. Yeah, man. (laughs) You got to know when to say no, because otherwise people are just going to keep pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. All of a sudden you end up in a real pickle of like, wait, it's just not humanly possible to juggle all these things, you know? Well, I think that's why, I mean, the reason I enjoy your work is you can tell everything that you're putting on Instagram or your website, you enjoy shooting it, be it whatever, it's surfing or skating or any of the landscape stuff. There's like an actual passion there. It's not like you're shooting this stuff to like, like hopefully like make money or something. Obviously you want to, but you can tell there's a real passion for what you're shooting. It's not just whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I have hard time of shooting something I don't like. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, man. I'll, I'll let people know too i mean i'm kind of like yeah this is not gonna work and you know it's it's uh so far i've been lucky enough to be kind of people that have been hire me and hire me to do the type of photography i do you know yeah and what i believe in they're not trying to hire me to do some you know something that i'm not you know doing so yeah man i guess i guess to wrap up like where do you see your photography going? Like any, any kind of goals or things you kind of want to work on or like dream clients or where do you kind of, where do you want to take this ship, man? I don't know, man. I I'm really in like a weird crossroads of like, I've kind of, I, I went through the skate world. Mm-hmm. I did that. I've done a few commercial gigs mm-hmm. and, and I was, yeah, I love doing that. I lo- I'd love to shoot more uh, women in my portfolio. We probably see everything, everything. Uh, in my portfolio is men and skateboarding and all that stuff and now surfing and that whole world so it's like very skate surf action based stuff you know um and now i'll be just kind of shooting weird blurry stuff on the beach as a personal thing which i like i just i maybe some maybe it's like i almost like want them to be paintings I, I totally suck at paintings. I'm almost like, how can I do a painting? Oh yeah, right. definitely. That the the blue that's, one, the surfboard that's flying up, that's like my favorite one. And yeah, it really looks like a painting. Yeah. I mean, first I was super upset because I, I shot that and I was like, oh man, like I it's out of focus. The camera didn't focus fast enough. I'm like, it's a little soft, you know, it's not quite there. And I'm like, I was really bummed on it. I'm like, oh man, like here it goes. Like can't even shoot a picture. Mm-hmm. But now I kind of like it. I almost like it more that it's it's blurry. Oh yeah, man. Um, but where I like them, I mean, I enjoy just doing kind of. I always have a weird like um, 
obsession with the fine art world and stuff like i like to i like that whole idea of doing that kind of stuff mm -hmm. like art stuff and just stuff i love i have to just shoot pictures and make pictures that i like whether they sell or not like some pictures are just total garbage but i'm like i like this yeah. this is this makes me happy you know yeah, no, no one else wants to see it which is fine <laughs> but it's really important that you do that stuff and and uh obviously it'd be nice to be able to keep shooting pictures and and make it make a living out of it i mean that's that's the end goal for definitely. sure definitely man um forever forever a student of light yeah yeah man it never ends uh oh last question i'll let you go uh no worries no worries then take right. your time what uh i had to ask i i believe you were uh, the skate photographer daniel harold sturt you used to he used to shoot photos of you back in the day right yeah what's that dude's deal like he's like for me he's like this mythical uh creature like you hear stories about him like dressing up and hiding in like woods to shoot like danny way uh what was he like to work work with because he's such an amazing photographer and had like his unique vision and how he approached photography i was just kind of curious your experience getting to work with him yeah i mean it was definitely definitely a trip i mean at times he would kind of rub you the wrong way and just like you know just say he would say the most outrageous stuff, you know, right before he would try a trick and whatnot. And he was really like, he was really kind of gnarly, or like a little bit scary too. And he's the, I don't, I don't even know if he's human. Maybe he is a mythical creature. He might be. He just knew what um, he wanted pretty much. He was like. He always knew what he wanted. He always, he already knew. Like you would, you would just be like on the phone be like, you would call him, leave a message. He usually he doesn't even pick up the phone. He wouldn't pick up the phone. And this is before cell phones. So you just call him and be like, hey, I'm thinking about trying this trick at this spot. And this is the address, whatever, this school over here. 12 at Saturday. He'd probably show up at there like eight in the morning or something. And he's like climbing up wall. He'd show up there and he's like halfway up a wall or something <laughs> climbing. And you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> But you never really, sometimes you wouldn't even know if he would show up or not. You would just leave a message for him and you just don't know if he's going to show up at this spot or not. Yeah. That's when we're filming for the videos. So you're like just kind of stressing because it's something gnarly. Like you might get really hurt or whatever. And you're like, oh man, like is this, this guy didn't even pick up the phone yesterday or a couple <laughs> days ago. Like we don't even know if he's coming. Yeah. Are we going to get a picture of it? You know? Yeah. And, some, and then sometimes he would show up and a few times he would ride up with you and he just had the most incredible stories from, you know, from skateboarding days back in the day. And, and uh, it's just super, he's super funny guy. Super yeah, sir, funny guy. I just respected his work because he had a unique vision like him and Fred, you knew it was their photo because for a while there, like in the early mid 2000s. Like all the skate photography was kind of looking the same. Like everyone was shooting Hasselblad, Fisheye, Kodak E100 VS, or like Fuji, like Pro V or something. So it was kind of, and they all have like three flashes and it was kind of like a system. But when you saw like either Fred's photo or Sturt's photo, you, you, it just stood out more than anything, you know? Yeah. And, and he always had kind of more of the art angle to it. He would like, he was just strip his kid down kit down like he would shoot natural light kind of wide angle or tilt shift lens like no one really even knew what lenses he was shooting because his angles are so weird and distorted and everyone was like what lenses he use was it and he'd show up at spots like even to me because he knew i was interested in photography mm -hmm. i'd be skating a spot he'd be shooting a picture of me he would keep his camera in his shirt and as i'm going to do the trick 
and on down the rail or whatever, he'd shoot, put his camera away so I couldn't see what lens he's using. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what is that thing? He's like, don't worry about it. Yeah. It's like he would just hide the camera. He wouldn't tell me. He never told me. Yeah, man. Um, he was he was a trip to shoot with, but it would he would he was this weird personality that you were a little bit scared of, but he would also make the most incredible image of you skating. So you really want to shoot with him. And at the time when I started shooting with him, he'd only shoot with a few people. Like he shot Jeremy Ray back in the day and Danny Way and all those guys, and whatever. And um, and obviously Jeff, Jeff introduced me to him. And, and uh, he kind of, he started shooting some of the flip guys as we were doing the video. And, and here and there, when we would be like, okay, we're gonna hit this spot, like, let's go, let's go, um, let's call stir, you know? Like, he wouldn't wanna come and hang out and shoot legend and whatever. Like, he wasn't into hanging out. It's like, it had to be something really gnarly, like, if you call him, you know, otherwise, wow. it's like completely ice you out. Damn. Um, but, uh, and then, but sometimes he would just say the most, like, just dreadful stuff, like um, that, um, that 18 stair rail in Pasadena. So when you, you like feeble grinded, back lipped, and crooked? Yeah. I forget which day it was. It was, I think, I, maybe it was all done on the same day. No, no, or was it two days? It might have been two separate days. But it's the first time I'm skating. It might be the crooked grind day. Mm -hmm. It might be the crooked grind day. And I'm just trying to, I'm like, I'm rolling up to it for about an hour, probably 45 minutes. I'm just like trying to get myself to jump down. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Okay, everything's ready. Cameras are rolling. It's been an hour, whatever. It's like everyone's kind of frustrated already. Like, is this kid going to like try this trick or not? Like, I was just going to drive two hours back and not get anything. And, I, and I, in my head, I'm like, this is it. I'm going. And I'm about three feet from the rail. And he just yells at me. He's like, Artel, come up here. I'm like, what? Like, oh, <laughs> melting. Like, dude, I was. About I could have died right then. I could have jumped down this 18 stair rail and just died. And, and I'm like, dude, what now? And he's just like, come up here, come up here. He's just like, what are you doing? Come up here. And and Jeff and and Sturt were on the top level, filming down on the rail where he shot that career out from. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, what? Like, I'm about to do this trick. It's like I'm ready. He's like, no, come up here. Stand next to Jeff. I'm like, what now? He's like, stand next to Jeff. Why? Let me shoot a picture of you two because you never know when someone's going to die. Oh, my God, dude. This guy is diabolical. <laughs> and I was just like looking at him going, what? And I just stood next to Jeff. I don't know. what. Like, we'll just stand there for a second. He takes one frame. Boom. And he's like, all right, go do it. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm so pissed. And now I'm pissed. But you still but, did it. You still did it, huh? But that. In, in hindsight, looking at it, I know what he was doing. He he got my energy running. He got me pissed. He got me, like, focused. He was just like, okay, this is it. And I think it might have been the try right after that or, like, a few tries. I was just rolled up to a few times, got ready, and boom. And I got those trips. Damn. So, yeah. in a way, he knew what he was doing, but that was, like, probably – like one of the gnarlier certain stories that I experienced with of him fucking with your head going like, Hey kid, are you going to fucking just pull this shit on me? Like make me drive all the way from San Diego to Pasadena four hours and not even try this trick. Like, no, nah, no, nah, you're not doing this to me. So it's like mental, <laughs> me mental warfare, man. I kind of, you got to respect totally. it on some level. 
<laughs> but he he totally he got the rise out of me he got me focused and whatever we got you know we did the thing so yeah man uh, that's my that's but i i really there was times where it was really frustrating and then there's not looking back at it and there's some times that were really enjoyable and i think some of the pictures that he shot of me are my favorite pictures throughout my career that's awesome yeah man well arto dude Thanks for taking the time to do this, man. It's a real pleasure. Uh, could have talked to you forever. You get so much photos and stuff, but I, I can't thank you enough, man. And uh, for people listening, you can go to Arto's website, which is, I think it's just artosari.com. Uh, same with Instagram. Check him out. He's got sick prints. I got one right here. The the, the dog pool, man. One of my favorite prints, dude. But uh, Oh, yeah. Thanks. I, yeah, thanks man. for the support, homie. Perfect, man. Well, I'll, just, I'll end it there, man. Well, but, cool. Well, thanks for having me on, Alex. It's really been a pleasure. So there you have it. That was the Arto Sorry interview. Uh, just want to thank Arto so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, like I said, I've been a big fan of uh, Arto's uh, photography and as well as uh, kind of grew up watching him as a professional skateboarder and all the videos when I was kind of growing up as a kid. Uh, so can't thank him enough for taking the time. A uh, really amazing photographer. Uh, definitely go check out Arto's website at artosari.com as well as Instagram. He's at Arto Photo. Um, but I'll put the link in the descriptions and uh, definitely go give him a follow. He's always posting up cool work and uh, different stuff. And definitely uh, also thank you goes out to Sakonic again for donating the, the free light meter for our giveaway. And as I mentioned at the top of the interview, uh, Jeff Allen uh, was the winner of the Sakonic light meter. All you need to do to claim your prize is either uh, shoot me an email at thephotobanter at gmail.com or DM on the Photobanter Instagram page and I'll make sure to mail out your Sakonic light meter to you. So congrats on that. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page. Uh, so definitely go check us out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe and uh, be much appreciated. But yeah, thanks so much for uh, tuning in. And as always, thanks so much and uh, take care.